evening. Let the Holy Ghost use you. Will you welcome Miss Cindy as she comes to preach the word tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I've said it uh, before in here on a Wednesday night. Sometimes I just need to come in the house and shake some stuff off. <laughs> sometimes I just need to come and shake that heavy stuff. You know, sometimes work is heavy. Sometimes stuff going on in the family's heavy. Turn on the news and that's always heavy. And, and you know, I, sometimes I just need to come in and shake myself and, and make myself lift my eyes a little higher. And you know, I was standing over there and we're singing about our awesome God. Our awesome God. That God that angels stand in awe of. You know, I can't get over that. Uh, that the song in heaven is on repeat. Holy, 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 holy. And it never gets old. It never loses its power. You know, I'd I, I have to tell on myself a little bit. I can get in that place where I'm just letting words come out of my mouth. I've said them enough that they'll come out programmed. And, and I don't have to think about what I'm saying. Oh, but when I think about God, it gets fresh all over again. I'm not just saying his name. I'm saying his name. I'm not just uh, mentioning uh, the name of Jesus. I'm talking about the one who died for me, the one who loves me, the one who walks with me, the one who, who, who more than tolerates me. You know what? It, it was a revelation to me one day that, that God loves me. The Bible tells me that. The children's song tells me that. God loves me. Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. But there came a day when I understood that he loved me, that he's passionate about me, that he cares about me far more than I could understand, that his emotions are attached to me. That's our God, and he's awesome. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. 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 You know, sometimes I get in my car, and you know, I work out of my car right now. And I get in my car, and it's a quiet place. It's quiet in there. Because I'm all up in my head, thinking about what I needed to do next. Thinking about what I needed to do when I get back to the office. Thinking about what I was going to cook for dinner that night. And my kids have discovered DoorDash. So I'm not cooking. <laughs> I get home and they're like, oh, we, we've already eaten, Mom. And they're eating way better than me right now. Uh, but, but I can get in my car and it gets quiet in there. And I forget that the Lord says, I want to hear your voice. I forget that I need to sing. You know, in, in Psalms, I think it's like 70 sometimes in the book of Psalms, God says, sing. Sing. God wants to hear our voice. And I have to be careful to keep my, my life from being that very quiet place because God wants to hear me. God wants to hear me. You know, when I start singing, Pastor Micah mentioned that God enthrones himself on my praise. And when I start worshiping and I start connecting my heart to his, God comes close to me. Uh, the psalmist says, it is good for me to draw near to the Lord. Uh, but I can't draw near to him without him drawing near to me. His good, his nearness is my good, but his nearness, 
His hearness is my miracle ground. His hearness, when he walks in, he doesn't bring part of himself. He brings everything he is when he walks in the room. If you need the healer, the healer walks in the room. I may not understand it. I may not have the revelation of it. If you need peace, peace walks through the door when he walks through the door. He never gives himself to us in little pieces and parcels. We understand it that way, but God is God. He's God always. Always. He's a good God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I I appreciate the uh, opportunity we've had in this house over the past several weeks uh, to, to hear what the Lord is saying to people in their prayer closets. And what he's saying in their devotional times. And, and I just want to say, I, I appreciate the meat I've had in this house. That, that I've come in here, and uh, I don't want to leave anybody out, but, but we've had meat. We, we didn't come in here and play patty cake and, you know, go on home. We came in here and we had some church. Uh, we've heard uh, good words. You know, uh, Micah uh, preaches the house down every time he preaches. Uh, uh, Noah always brings a, a, a word. Romy's brought the word to us. It's always been a strong word. And, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, now, tonight I'm not going to keep you very long. Um. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, I tried to do this on my own. I really did. <laughs> I knew what the Lord was saying. And I said, well, we could come at it from over here, Lord, and we could come over here. And I did a lot of coal mining and a lot of digging out in the dirt and a lot of repenting. And finally, I sat down at my table and I closed my Bible and I closed my computer and I said, okay, Jesus, what do you say? <laughs> and sure enough, Sure enough, when I do it his way, it always works better. It always works right. We're going to be in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. And this is going to be a very familiar scripture. And my hope is that you hear the heart of the Lord that I heard in this. Uh, let's, let's pray before we get started tonight. Lord, we come to you and, and, and we love you. We love your word. Your word is life, and we thank you, Lord, that you spoke to us. Lord, help us to hear what you would have us to hear in this hour. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And what has just happened, if you go back to the last chapter, Jesus and his disciples are in the temple. And the disciples are so impressed with the grandeur of the, stru- of the structure they're looking at. And they're saying, did you see, ever see a rock like that, Jesus? Did you ever see a building like this one? And Jesus lays the bombshell. Not one stone is going to be left on another one. Not one stone. And, and as they left the city, uh, the disciples came and they asked him, when is this going to happen? When is this going to ha- come to pass, Lord? What will be the sign of your coming? What will the end of the age look like? And the Lord lays out uh, the complete eschatology, the end time scenario of what the end times, the, that, that last age uh, is going to look like. And, and if you read it in Matthew chapter 24, it's kind of like reading headlines today. You know, uh, the, the disciples couldn't imagine wars and rumors and wars, famines, earthquakes, uh, false prophets, false messiahs. They couldn't imagine that being the way the world could be. But have you looked on the news lately? 
<laughs> I mean, to us, it's very imaginable. It, we're reading it. We're seeing it. And Jesus says there's going to be the sign of the Son of Man appearing in the sky. And they'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And, and you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, we forget that part. Sometimes I'm so busy looking at the dirt in front of me, uh, what I have to do and what's coming at me, that sometimes I forget my eyes need to be set a little higher because I'm waiting for somebody. I'm waiting for somebody. And as he's laying out this ultimate end time prophetic word, he warns his disciples, be ready. Nobody knows when, it's, when I'm coming. No one knows the hour or the day. I don't even know. The angels don't know. Only the Father knows. And I have a pet theory about why he doesn't know. My pet theory is, in the book of John, Jesus says, everything I've heard, I've told you. I think Jesus can't keep a secret. I think he'd tell us. I think he would tell us if he knew. So, so, so even Jesus doesn't know. Only the Father knows the moment that he's going to look over to the right hand and say, and say, Jesus, the wait is over. The preparations have been made. Your church is ready. Go, go, go. Bring the church home. Jesus said, this is what it's going to be like. Now, boys, let me tell you a story. Because when I tell you the story, it's going to make sense. And that's where we are in Matthew 25. Jesus is using a parallel between the, the time, last times in his coming and an ancient Jewish wedding ceremony. And, and what happened in that ancient Jewish wedding ceremony was that the bride and the bridegroom were betrothed. It was a legal contract, but they didn't come together. Instead, the bride stayed with mom and dad until her bridegroom had prepared a home for her. And when the home was ready, and when the, the last nail was in the wall, he would send word, it's time, and the wedding was about to, to happen. He would come and take his bride home, and that was that the wedding ceremony would happen. And, and I don't really think that you need me to connect dots for you on this one. Because I know you folks, you're the, you're the Pentecostals. You know what I'm talking about. That there is a, a bridegroom who has gone away to prepare a place for us that where he is, we may be also. Uh, we've got a bridegroom in the heaven, and, and he's putting the touches on it. I, I suspect the crown molding's going up at this point because it looks like it's getting close on my side of the, of, of the, uh, of the clouds. But we have a, a bridegroom. And I read about a time when he's going to come for that bride that's without spot or blemish. That he's got a supper planned because the bride's made herself ready in fine linens. And, you know, I don't look like I'm wearing fine linens tonight. But, you know, when God looks at me, he looks at me in faith. He looks at me the way he knows I'm, I'm destined to be. And I may look at myself and become discouraged when I, I see my mess, when I see where I screw up, when I see where my faith is too little, when it should have been bigger, when I'm trying to make my own way instead of trusting his way. I see all that stuff, but he still looks at me with eyes of faith. He knows that he is destined to me to be that, to be the one in fine linens. 
So let, let's look at the word tonight. Starting in Matthew 25, 1. I'm in the Amplified. Then the kingdom of heaven, you know, the territory over which the king rules, the, the territory over which heaven has jurisdiction, the people over whom God is reigning, the people who belong to God and with God, the chosen generation, uh, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, the peculiar people, the kingdom of heaven. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps. They didn't take the pastor's lamp. They didn't borrow a lamp from the church. Uh, they didn't have their, their mama's lamp or their grandma's. They took their lamp and they went to meet the bridegroom. These young women are ready for a wedding. They know the time is near. Uh, it, they're waiting for that bridegroom to start coming down the road. And, and they're dressed for the, uh, the occasion. They've got their finery on. Uh, they're each carrying their little oil lamp, their little clay oil lamp. And, and, and you know why they would want to carry a lamp. If it gets dark out, they don't want to tri trip. They don't want to stumble. They don't want to get their, get their dress dirty. They, they, they're going to a wedding. They've got to look right. Uh, they want to be able to see what's going around, on around them in the dark. They want to recognize the bridegroom. They want the light to see the bridegroom. The, and they want the bridegroom to see them. They want him to recognize him. So, so they all go and they're waiting and they have their lamps. And they're waiting for the bridegroom. Verse 2. Five of them were foolish. Thoughtless and without forethought, and five were wise, sensible, intelligent, and prudent. For when the foolish tucked their lamps, they did not take any extra oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with them, also with their lamps. And if you can imagine, these girls go out and they look all the same. They, they all have the same opportunity. They all have the same invitation to the wedding. They all have their wedding garments on. They all have their little lamps. And they're on their way. Uh, but, but they all looked the part. Uh, uh, but the difference was what was not seen. Uh, the ones that are called wise, that they're carrying something. Uh, they're carrying something and it's heavy. It's weighty. They're carrying something and they had, to, they had to purchase it. They had to get it themselves so they have to take care of it. You know, they can't skip around and, and hop and dance like maybe the other girls were because they don't want to spill their oil. It was precious. There was something powerful there. It was costly. It changes the way they walk. Some of you gentlemen may not realize it, but uh, when a lady's getting ready to go out to the wedding... They don't usually pick up the, oil, uh, the, the jar of oil. That's not a very fashionable accessory. But the wise versions realized that the true value of the lamp they were carrying was what was inside. It was, the value was in its functionality. If the, if the lamp is just an ornament, any old lamp will do. Oh, but if it's going to work, if it's going to do what it's supposed to do, if it's going to be functional, it's going to have something inside. The empty lamp wasn't going to do them any good. When the sun went down, they carried that flask of oil with them. 
Because a lamp without oil may look good, but it doesn't have the goods. You know, I don't want to be a cloud without rain. I, I, I don't want to be something that has a reputation, but not in front of God. The oil costed something. They had, there, was a, there was an expense involved. There was a personal cost. The oil flask was heavy, and it wasn't very cute. They didn't look like everybody else. They couldn't run around and be all cute because they couldn't afford to spill the oil. Verses 5 and 6. While the bridegroom lingered and was slow in coming. While the bridegroom lingered and he was slow in coming. The bridegroom lingered and he was slow in coming. And, and, and you know what? Have you heard it all your life? Oh, I've always heard that uh, he was coming, but I haven't seen him yet. I haven't seen him yet. That's been this way since the father slept. The bridegroom was lingering and he was slow in coming, but he was coming. But he was coming. The bridegroom lingered and was slow in coming, and they all began nodding their heads and they fell asleep. But at midnight, there was a shout. And midnight there was a shout. Behold the bridegroom. Behold him. Go out and, and meet him. The bridegroom was lingering, but he was coming. Uh, they, they went to sleep. Everybody went to sleep. None of them were awake. Uh, but even though he was lingering, even though he didn't come when they thought he was going to come, even though he was slower than they thought he ought to be, even if they were looking at everything going on around them and thinking, uh, well, this is an inconvenient time. Could, could we reschedule this, this wedding party? Can we do something else? Uh, even though they didn't understand, he was not an absentee bridegroom. An absentee is someone who was expected to come, but he didn't show up. You don't have an absentee bridegroom. You have a bridegroom who's ready. He's waiting for the Father's word, but he's coming. He's not absentee. He's going to come. He might be slow. He might be lingering, but keep your eyes on the clouds because he's coming. He's not going to let you down. At midnight, the bridegroom comes, and they didn't expect it. It seemed unlikely. It seemed inconvenient. Everyone was asleep at this point. Everyone was having their nap. They were comfortable in the dark. But then the shout come. Then the shout come. Then he's coming. He's coming. In verse 7. Then all those virgins got up and they put their own lamps in order. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, There will not be enough for us and for you. Go instead to the dealers and buy it for yourself. But while they were going away to buy, the bridegroom came. While they were going away to buy, they, they didn't take thought to take it with them. But while they were going to the source to try to get some to put in their lamp, here comes the bridegroom. He's coming down the road. Uh, and and uh, while they, uh, the bridegroom came and those who were prepared went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Now the difference in these virgins is very clear. The difference is what they do or do not carry with them. The lamps all looked good. The lamps all looked like they were what they were supposed to look like. But without the oil, there was no functionality. Without the oil, uh, it wouldn't do. It wasn't doing them any good in the dark. 
They had no real function. They couldn't shine. The oil cannot be shared. You know what? I love hanging around somebody talking the Bible and they're anointed about the revelation that they got from the Word, but their revelation isn't going to be mine until I put my face in the book. It's not enough to, to hang out with the right people. Their oil won't do me any good. I've got to go get my own oil. I've got to go to the source myself. Everyone had to have their own supply. And now, after the bridegroom has come, they understand it was totally reasonable to carry that oil. It was totally reasonable to go through the inconvenience and the expense of the oil in light of the bridegroom's coming. Your bridegroom is coming. And a lot of his coming. And a lot of the cloud he's riding on. And a lot of the glory he's shining. Get your oil. Get your oil. Get your oil. Our bridegroom God went to prepare our place for his beloved to come to him. And he gave us a warning. Be ready. You don't know when I'm coming. Don't give up on me. Don't go to sleep. Don't lose your oil. Don't assume I'm absent. If you don't have any oil in your lamp, and, and we know that the oil is symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's symbolic of the anointing. It's symbolic of consecration. If, if you don't have the oil, that presence of God in your life, on your own, not just in this house, but in your own in your own prayer closets, and in your own houses, and in your own cars. If you don't have your oil, you'll miss the moment. You'll miss the moment. We don't hear it preached very much anymore. You know, I, we don't hear very much about the about the second coming, the blessed hope of the church anymore. You know, we got a hope. We've got a bridegroom. We need to, to get our hope a little higher, higher than what Governor DeWine's going to say, or, 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 or higher than what we see in the news, or who's going to sit in an Oval Office. We need to look at who's sitting on the throne. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are going to have to live an oily life if you're going to be ready when Jesus comes again. He is not interested in you looking like a child of God. He is interested in you being a child of God. You know, I can have the witness wear, and I can have my bumper sticker on my car, and I could punch my card on Sunday mornings coming into this place, but Jesus is interested in what I'm doing when nobody can see. Jesus is looking at the hidden things. He's looking at what's hidden. He's looking at, do you have any oil? Do you have any oil? I don't know about you, but... I've been reading posts and articles where people were saying they used the pandemic to grow their spiritual life. They were stuck at home, so they just grew their spiritual life. Well, let me be real with you. I had to fight for my oil in this season. This is the season I had to fight for it. This is the season where I had to figure out that I can't coast on yesterday's revelation and yesterday's word and yesterday's Bible devotion. I had to have some fresh oil. 
I, I had to, to fight over the busyness and the distractions of my life. I figured out my distractions are my destructions. If, my, if it's got my eyes, it can keep my eyes off Jesus. I had to be careful not to run after the la- latest word from the prophet. Not, not to run after what did this, uh, this preacher say and, and what does that news article say and did you see the COVID numbers today? I had to choose to turn off the wine and go after Jesus. I had to war against that last tidbit of information I had to be careful with my oil because the oil in my lamp is just enough for today's revelation it's just enough for my now but if I want a revelation tomorrow if I want a word for the future if I want something the next of God then I've got to get some oil I've got to store up my oil I've got to I've got to tend it I can Facebook and Twitter, Fox News and CNN until I'm running on fumes. And I've done that in this pandemic a time or two. And my lamp oil was almost used up. And I figured out I better get myself in a prayer closet somewhere. I better open up this book and eat some red words. I better be, start paying attention to heavenly things, setting my affections on those things above, bringing every thought into obedience. I had to put on some warm armor and do some warfare in my own life to tend my oil. We're waiting for our bridegroom to split the eastern sky so we can't be all tore up about the vacation that didn't happen uh, or, or the plans that fell apart. We have to keep our eyes a little higher than that. We, we can't be so busy storing up goods or toilet paper, let me tell you. <laughs> We can't be so consumed with the goods that we're laying up that we're not laying up the oil. We have to live an oily life. You know what? Jesus is looking at the church, and he's not seeing if we're trendy or if we're hip or if we have the atmosphere. He's not looking for that stuff. He's looking deeper. He's looking for oil. He's looking for authenticity in his church. I have to tell you, the churches that won't get oily, the churches that won't go after him, the churches that won't say Jesus no matter what anybody else says, those churches' lights are going out. Jesus is looking for the church to be the church. When I started praying about what the Lord wanted to say to us tonight, I heard him say, will you lend me your lamp? The Lord has need of you. He has need of your lamp to shine in the darkness of the hour. The world has enough angry voices shouting. The the world has enough criticism and hatred. It has enough racism and trauma and fear. The Lord is wanting to work in this hour through an oily church that will carry his fire to this generation. There are people hurting in the dark. And he is waiting for a people who will tune into what he's saying instead of the clamor and consider him worthy of the price the oil costs. You can't live a consecrated life and expect the world to celebrate you. The oil is not fashionable. You know, I actually saw... A post and it was a Facebook post 
and it was posted it was shared by a friend I had worked with years ago and it said those white evangelicals and I was like whoa <laughs> I can't help what color this is number one and, and number two Thank God I'm evangelical. Thank God I've, I've got a, a, a message to carry. Thank God I can be an evangelist. Thank God I can speak the word of God. But they, say, they said it like it was an insult. Church. Right. <laughs> Church, we may see some hard times come to the body of Christ in the United States. I don't want that to happen. But if you will protect the oil, if you will protect the oil, a day will come when you will say, in light of his coming, in in light of who he is and what he has done, worth every every price, worth every cost. When the the bridegroom steps out and calls us home, it's going to be worth it all. We can't carry the oil and dance with the world. We have to live it a little different. Years ago, I lived with a, a bun- I worked with a bunch of ladies. Felt like I lived with them, work all the time. I, I, I worked with a bunch of ladies, and uh, they'd say, "Cindy, uh, your kids and my kids were littler. They, they're with the babysitter. Won't you come out to the club with us after work?" And I'm like, "What would I do in a club? Number one, number two, I can't imagine Jesus going to the club. Right. And number three, you don't understand. I'm carrying. Yeah. I'm carrying something." And I've got to be careful with it. I can't drop it. Jesus' eyes are on me. What am I going to do in a club? We may not be able to fit in with everyone around us. There may be movies or TV shows you just have to turn off. There might be music you have to turn your radio off when that comes on. And other people around you are not going to understand that. They don't understand you're working on something. They don't understand you don't want to break his heart. You care about him. Your, your, your intimacy is with God. You don't want to hurt him. You've got to carry the oil. You've got to carry the oil. We can't offer the Lord an empty vessel. He's saying, will you lend me your lamp? I'm not telling you something you don't know. You know we're in a dark time. People are hurting. People are afraid. Uh, depression rates skyrocketed. Marriages are falling apart. Uh, there's a lot of, lot of negative things. But, but in the midst of the negative things, Jesus is saying, hey, can I have that lamp of yours? Hold it out over here. I, I want to shine some heaven into that person's hell. They're, they're, going, through, they're going through some stuff, but, but I want to shine through you. You've got to have oil in your lamp if you're going to shine. The Lord's asking you tonight, will you let me lo- use your lamp? I want to shine heaven into someone's hell. Your lamp is the one I want to use. Get your testimony out and polish that thing up. You know, people can disagree with your theology, but they can't fight your testimony. Once I was dead, but now I'm alive. Once I was an addict, but now I'm free. Uh, Once I was dead, but oh, have you seen me lately? Once I I couldn't get out of the pit of depression, but Jesus has set me free. They can't argue with your testimony. Shine your lamp. Shine your lamp. Once I was this and now I'm that. And the only thing in between was Jesus. He made the difference. Get your kindness out. Let the Lord use you to bless somebody else. Ask him to show you who to to bless. A little bit of kindness. A little bit of generosity. 
hard to be mad at somebody when they're blessing you. Refuse to argue. Go ahead and turn that other cheek. You know, I wish he hadn't said that stuff. <laughs> I wish he hadn't put it in there, but he did. Go ahead. When someone's angry and they're just railing on you, go ahead and be kind. Go ahead and give them a smile. Go ahead and respond like Jesus would. Go ahead and act like you belong to another kingdom, to another king, to another world. Be thankful. You know, we're at Thanksgiving. Micah said that about thawing out your turkey, and all I could think about was, oh, my goodness, I did not buy a turkey yet. <laughs> Who knew Thanksgiving was next week until Micah told me? It's Thanksgiving time, so instead of complaining, look for a reason to be thankful and do it really loud. Do it really loud. Tell people about it. Be a giver. Take some of those cards off that tree. Be generous. Go to church. Pray for one another. Praise God like he's already answered your prayers. Wear a mask in Walmart and don't complain. Just do it. Just do it. Act like you belong to the upside down kingdom or you live where you die to live. You die to yourself to live to him. You live the oily life. The Lord needs your lamp, church. He needs your, light, your lamp to bring his light to the dark situations. And even though we may face rulings in our country that want to shut our doors, I want to regulate what we can say if we're standing up here. Just know that that's no, that's no opposition to the oil. The oil can take care of that. If we don't have some oil, we might just end up fitting in to the dark. In the parable, there were five foolish virgins. They had wedding garments and empty lamps in the dark and fitting there. But five... Those five were left outside when the bridegroom came. I don't know if you did the math yet on this. This is scary to me. Because if Jesus meant it, and if Jesus is really saying what I think he's saying, he says five out of ten left behind. That's about half the church. That's half the church. You know what? I think the scariest verses in the Bible is when Jesus said, uh, they will say, Lord, Lord, uh, and I'll say, I never knew you. And they'll say, hey, we were casting out devils in your name. We were doing mighty works. We were doing miracles. And those are the very things we'll flock to see. Those are the very evangelists we'll run after. And, and you know what? Jesus says, I'm not looking for a show. I'm looking for authentic Christianity that will get down in the everyday dirt of life and let our little light shine. I want to encourage you tonight. I'm actually done. I want to encourage you tonight. Get your oil. Live oily. The time is too late to live with an empty lamp. God has plans and purposes, but we can't shine a lamp when there's no oil in it.